Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Now, Paul was a uh, first century author writing letters to churches throughout uh, the known world. Uh, The author who we get most of the New Testament from question I heard during the week was really interesting. If Paul were around today, what would he write to the Western church? What would be in his letter that he'd write uh, to Hills Baptist Allgate? Allgations. That's what I'd call the uh, letter. No, no, okay, no. We've been working through a series in 1 Corinthians, How to Church, and one of the things I've realized is that it would not be very different to what he wrote in that letter to the Corinthian church in the first century. We think about all the different issues that the church today is wrestling with globally, uh, um, division in the church, uh, sexual sin in the church, abuse in the church. Uh, the role of women in the church, and um, spiritual gifts. How do we understand spiritual gifts in the church? Paul addresses all these things in his letter to the Corinthians. So it's as much relevant to today and to us as when Paul first wrote it centuries ago. So we've been working through this series, How to Church, reframing our purpose, our priorities, our posture as we gather as God's people. And we've been taken on a journey a few weeks ago. Mike uh, reframed um, our, our posture towards women in the church, uh, going from being dominated and protecting to being humble like Jesus, valuing our differences, honoring uh, women in the church. Uh, I didn't preach in the evening, but in the morning, hopefully you have listened to that really important sermon on uh, the second half of 1 Corinthians 11 and how we do communion and how we do the different rituals and the things of church. And the purpose we come to church is not because of any personal or cultural or societal or social agenda, but because of Jesus. We gather because of Jesus, for Jesus. Last week, Brooke uh, uh, reframed our priorities when it comes to spiritual gifts. And look, I'm aware that the order is a bit uh, mixed up. We went uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 13, now we're back to 12. The reason we're doing that is because 12 is about spiritual gifts, 13 is about the greatest gift. And Paul's clear priority is that love is the most important gift. So we wanted to put that up front uh, as, as a priority to preach on. Brooke did an amazing job. Uh, talking about love as a spiritual gift, what it is, what it isn't, and how it works out in the church, particularly around forgiveness. It was an excellent message worth going back and listening to. And today, uh, we're, we're going to be reframing our understanding of spiritual gifts. Another controversial issue in the church. Now, I mean, it's not as painful an issue as, as it has been historically for women in the church or abuse in the church, but it's a very prominent issue. Uh, this is the theological dividing line for denominations is how we understand the nature of the spiritual gifts. And so we're going to tackle this over a couple of weeks 
addressing two, two issues around spiritual gifts. Today, we'll be thinking about what's the purpose of spiritual gifts. Next week, we're going to be looking at what's the nature of the spiritual gifts, focusing on tongues and prophecy, because that's what Paul focuses on in 1 Corinthians 14. So you can look forward to that. But today, we're going to be answering the question, what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? What's the point of it? How are we to understand spiritual gifts in the church? And the answer from 1 Corinthians 12, I'll give it out straight up front, is the purpose of spiritual gifts is to glorify God by empowering Christians to serve the church through our diversity of gifts and abilities given by the same Spirit so that as the body of Christ, every person matters and has something to give. That's a long-winded sentence. I'm usually keen on the short, clear, concise, punchy lines, uh, but I really wanted to, to, to contain all of this. Uh, but we'll be working through this response um, progressively through uh, this passage. But again, to, if you've got a notepad or whatever, write down, the purpose of spiritual gifts is to glorify God by empowering Christians to serve the church through a diversity of gifts and abilities given by the same Spirit so that as the body of Christ, every person matters and has something to give. So let's uh, read. Uh, if you have a Bible, open it up to 1 Corinthians 12. If you don't have a Bible, there's a, a drawer in the back. You can help yourself to a Bible in there. And if you need a Bible at home, you can take it home. Uh, our gift to you. Uh, but in the meantime, oh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll start with the first three verses. Now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul introduces this chapter saying about spiritual gifts. The word he uses there, the language, the the words is literally about the spirituals. So that could, mean, that could mean about spiritual gifts, could mean about spiritual things, about the spirits, or about spiritual people. Now, considering the chapter that follows about spiritual gifts is the most logical um, understanding of what Paul's talking about. But there is a sense, and, and kind of in line how he addresses other issues, is he, he could be saying, to, to you who think you're really spiritual... I want to tell you about what being spiritual is really all about. To you who think you're really spiritual. And Paul makes two pretty clear points. Uh, he says, you, the Spirit, someone speaking by the Spirit, cannot say, Jesus be cursed. Someone speaking by the Spirit cannot bring a curse upon Jesus, cannot dishonor Jesus, cannot lead Jesus into disrepute. And it makes sense if we think about and understand the Trinity, the idea that uh, God is, is one, but in three persons. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for any one of those persons to dishonor uh, the Godhead or the, the, the unity of God themselves, uh, in the, although they exist in this perfect, loving, united relationship, just doesn't make sense. And so it just doesn't make sense that someone who is led by the Spirit uh, 
comes to curse Jesus or comes to dishonor Jesus. It just doesn't make sense. That just does not happen. And by and the flip side of that, Paul says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Except by the Holy Spirit. And now to say Jesus is Lord, that's just, that's not an empty phrase. That's not like a key word or a saying to say on a whim. There's something profoundly theological and existential and, and important to that phrase. To say Jesus is Lord, to all the Jewish readers of the time, what, what that would invoke is Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is the God of the Old Testament, the one true God who created all things and is supreme over all things. And, and that's because uh, the Jewish people would refer to Yahweh as Lord. It's, instead of the name Yahweh, they would write uh, Elohim or Lord. To all the Greeks in the room and the, the non-Jews, to say Jesus is Lord, it invokes another image uh, of, of supreme authority. What they would normally say is Caesar is Lord, as Caesar is the reigning and ruling authority over the known world. And to say Jesus is Lord is to say Jesus is the reigning and ruling authority over the known world, and I am a servant of him. I am a servant of him. And so it's not just an empty phrase. It's a confession of commitment. Jesus is Lord. Understanding our place in his world, the creator of the world, the supreme authority. And so the Holy Spirit guides us into that submissive posture that raises Jesus up and puts him on the throne and brings him glory. So, so spiritual gifts, the, the, the acts and the things that the Spirit does is not about our agenda or our rights or our entitlement or our authority. It's not about our glory. It's about His. It's about bringing glory to Jesus, bringing glory to God. And if, if a gift or ability or work is not doing that, it's not from the Spirit. So the purpose of of spiritual gifts is to glorify God. Now, how does the Spirit achieve that? By empowering Christians to serve in the church. Now, to understand a gift, because uh, sometimes when you're given a gift, you think, what's the point of this? Like, like around your birthday, if you're ever given um, deodorant as a gift, like what's, what's the meaning behind this, Right? So to understand a gift, it's, a, it's important to think, um, what's the source? What's the destination? What's the intention? So a good example of this is the Statue of Liberty. You might know the Statue of Liberty was a gift from uh, France given to America. Well, I think 1886 or something around, somewhere around then. And the intention was to celebrate uh, the abolition of slavery. The breaking of chains, abolition of slavery. And also the intention, interestingly, was to be a welcome to immigrants. Now, that's, it's, it's fascinating to think about American culture and the, the, the intention of the Statue of Liberty. We won't go into that, but it's a good example. Now, that's much more important is Scripture. Let's read that. From verse 4, thinking about source, destination, and intention. 
uh, verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So what's the source? The source. I love how Paul describes the source here, effectively um, telling us it's the Trinity because he says these different kinds of gifts, it's the Holy Spirit who distributes them among the people. And there's different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord. It's, it's the same Lord that we are all using these gifts to serve. And all these works that we do, it's how God is working through us for His will. God is working through His people, His people who are serving Jesus the Lord, giving gifts distributed by the Holy Spirit. The source of spiritual gifts is from the Trinity, is from God. What's the destination? Who are the ones who receive it? It's those in Christ, those who confess Jesus is Lord. It's helpful to remind ourselves precisely who is this letter written to. And if you flick back 1 Corinthians 12, verse 2, Paul says, to the church of God that's in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And later on in 12, 28, uh, he, he says the gifts given to the church. So it's to the church. It's those in Christ Jesus who call upon the name of the Lord, who, who say Jesus is Lord. To those people are given gifts. And Paul says to each one, every person in the church, gifts are given. There's a manifestation of the Spirit. So every individual in the church is given gifts is giving gifts uh, by the Holy Spirit through which God works in partnership with that Christian towards an intended purpose. And what's that intended purpose? The intention is for the common good. Verse 7, for the common good, to serve the church, to serve on God's mission. Now, something uh, Dave Shepard has been saying a lot recently, which is really, really helpful, is that the church doesn't have a mission God's mission has a church. And here is at, at Hills Baptist, our mission is to see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed. And do you know what a secret? That's not our mission. As in, that's, we didn't come up with that. We didn't think of like, oh, what should we do? What should be unique about us that we'll do that no one else is doing? No, that's God's mission. All we've done is just packaged it in a nice communication tool. This is God's mission to see Jesus glorified, the Lord of the world reigning supreme and, and the, the world honoring him for who he is as the, the Lord, the king of the world, the king of the universe. To see lives transformed of hope and healing and peace throughout the world. People transformed and, and hope revealed. To see the, the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins and new life in him going out to all people and all nations. That is the mission of God. That is the mission that he involves his church on. That is the mission by which God gifts his people, gifts of the Holy Spirit, that God would work through us. 
in. The source is God and the Holy Spirit in Jesus. The destination is His people, each and every one of us. The intention is to serve on His mission. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to glorify God by empowering Christians to serve, to serve the church, to serve through the church, through, next bit, a diversity of gifts and abilities given by the same Spirit. So let's uh, read on. Uh, we'll, we'll kick on in, at verse 7 again. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. To yet another, uh, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit as He distributes them to each one just as He determines." Paul's clear here. It's one spirit that he keeps referring back to. Uh, it's of the same spirit, the same spirit, the one spirit. And, and lands at the end. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. It's one spirit, but a whole range of different gifts. Uh, he mentions a message of wisdom, message of knowledge, the, uh, the gift of faith or, or inspiring faith in other people. Gifts of healing, gifts plural of healing plural. So not necessarily one person's giving, given the gift to heal multiple times, but each are given an individual gift of healing, uh, or sorry, multiple people are given multiple healings. So it's not just one person that heals a lot of people and they're the healer, but actually all of God's people, as the Spirit distributes and determines, are given potentially given the gift of a healing. Now, I, I say this, I dwell on this a bit because for a lot of people in the church, this has come a great pain, going to a, a healer and assuming that God would heal them that, or that this person might heal them. But it's multiple instances of healings, multiple times as the Spirit uh, determines, distributes. He also talks of works of power, of prophecy, communicating God's will, uh, tongues and interpretation, which we'll uh, dive deep into next week in 1 Corinthians 14. Later on in the passage, he talks of apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, administration or helping, guidance, tongues again. There's also lists in Ephesians 4, in Romans 12, in 1 Peter 4. And the point of all this is there is no exhaustive list that one exhaustive list that kind of spells out every gift of the Spirit and that's it. And if you're not on that list, then you're not, uh, you don't have value. No, there's no exhaustive list. All are given gifts from the Spirit and all of us have a diversity of gifts. We all have something different and unique to bring to God's people to serve the church, to serve as God's church. And one interesting thing to think through, all these different gifts in all the different lists, aside from the fact they all come from one spirit, the other thing that kind of unites them all is they are other person focused. It's no good like a message of wisdom. If that's not shared with someone, it doesn't do anything. A gift of healing is, is no good if it's not actually 
someone's healed. Miraculous uh, power doesn't do anything unless it achieves something, brings glory to Jesus. All these things uh, are gifts that the Spirit gives to empower the Christian to serve outside themselves, to give of ourselves. And you might be thinking, well, what about me? There's that whole list and all these things I hear, and I'd, I don't see myself on that list. What about me? What do I have to bring? Why can't I be a teacher or preach or be a youth leader or, uh, you know, be comfortable in front of a large audience? You know, and if I can't do those things, what about me? What do I have to offer? Well, the reality is the Spirit distributes as He determines. And what that means is that every one of us has a gift for the church, has something to offer the church that the Spirit has given us that brings profound value to the people of God. And the Spirit has given that to you so that you might be a blessing to the church. So what do, what do we have to bring? What gifts has the Spirit given you? to serve in the church. <coughs> a great tool uh, to use to just start that discussion, start that thinking is um, a, a online test. Now, this is not the definitive test to end all tests, uh, but just a conversation starter to discuss with uh, a friend or your small group or one of the elders here or myself, uh, giftstest.com slash test. Pretty easy to remember. Uh, go check it out. It's like a five-minute test and it unpacks what potentially your spiritual gifts might be. You might be surprised by this. You might be encouraged by this. It might confirm some things. But why not go away and, and do that and think about how could we serve the church through the gifts God has given us. So let's come back to uh, the, the big statement at the start. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to glorify God by empowering Christians to serve the church through a diversity of gifts and abilities given by the same Spirit so that as the body of Christ, every person matters and has something to give. Has something to give. Let's keep reading from verse uh, 12. Here it is. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the Spirit to drink. So even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So Paul uses a great analogy. A brilliant analogy here. And it's perfect because every one of us can relate to it. Everybody has a body. Everybody has a body. So we all understand what Paul is talking about. And, it's, and, and when Paul says every member or every part, I like uh, NIV's translation, every part. ESV says every member and other translations, every member. When we say member, it kind of invokes this... Um, social club member or the cricket club member or golf club member. And it's not talking about the same thing. 
When Paul says every part, what he's referring to is a limb or a vital organ. Every part is part, every person, every Christian is, 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 a, is a limb or an organ. So that without that person, the church is deficient. The church is deficient without, without Christians, without that person. And so Paul talks about it. it's one body that's united. It's one. But unity does not mean uniformity. That everyone comes and is exactly the same and has the same gifts and looks the same, talks the same, thinks the same, whatever. Paul's point is that unity requires diversity. It requires diversity. And that diversity of people are united by the Spirit. Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free, men and women, uh, labor, liberal, greens, conservatives, Sterling, Strathalbyn, Kensington, Elizabeth, Port supporters, Crow supporters, all come together to form one body, one community, one church, on one mission, serving one Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, this reality has two important implications that Paul addresses, two incorrect ways of thinking that we, we need to be corrected in. And the first is the kind of thinking that I don't have any important gifts, therefore I don't matter. Paul says, verse 15, Now if a foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So because I don't preach, because I, I don't do youth, or because I can't make really nice latte art, on the coffee roster, because I can't serve right now because of, of, of my health or my family situation or uh, my work situation, I don't matter or I matter less. No, that is not true. Your sense, uh, sorry, your belonging and your worth in the people of God is not dependent on how you feel that you belong. It depends on what Christ has done for you that He has welcomed you into His church. He has done the work to make you part of His body. He is the one who unites us. And it's His Spirit that gives us gifts to serve. And it's through that we have value and meaning and purpose so that every part of God's body has purpose and value and is important and is loved. Paul says, you matter. You belong. You are an important part of this church. The other way of thinking is I have important gifts, therefore I matter. Paul says, verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
On the contrary, those parts of the body may seem to be weaker and are actually indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we are, are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that those, so, sorry, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So because I preach, or because I'm an elder, because I, I play on the band, because I do great coffee art, because I whatever, I'm entitled, I'm more important, I matter more. No, that's not true. Paul says we are one body. It's not our, it's not our abilities or our things that bring value to God's church. It's his spirit that works through us. And that's what unites us. So, so no one member is more important than the other. And no one member is less important than any other. And so Paul says we need to honor the, the, the perceivably less honorable. We need to care for those who, who seem to be uh, unpresentable. Because it's through those people we see the, the glory of the gospel shining brightest. People who are struggling and hurting, but yet are still faithful and part of God's people and, and demonstrating a commitment to Jesus and you know, figuring it out and doubting and struggling. But that is where we see the work of God most powerfully. We need all people part of this church. If we take this seriously, like, let's be honest, church will get a bit uncomfortable and, and, and tricky and, and hard and, and tough. But that's the reality of being part of God's community. It's tough, but it brings Jesus glory. If it's about our comfort, if it's about having a, a great service with great preaching, with great coffee, and that we've missed the point. It's about Jesus and his work through his people, through all his people. And so there's no, Paul says, there's no division in the body. This is God's church, Christ's body. Therefore, we're all connected. And if one part is hurting, then we all hurt. When, when people stop coming to church, stop coming, the, the church is deficient. If you were to stop coming, any one of you were to stop coming to church, being part of Christian community, the church would be deficient. We need you. We need all of us. And, and, and look, there's good reason that people aren't around and stop coming. And, and, and often it is because of some sort of hurt. And Paul says, if one person suffers, the whole church suffers. So when we call people up, it's not... Why haven't you been at church the last four weeks? So, hey, how are you going? We missed you. We missed you. How are you going? Let's, let's hear about it. Let's talk about it. And look, that can't just be me making those calls <laughs> or Abby or whoever. We're all in this together. 
So when we notice someone hasn't been around for a while, like we've all got the spiritual gift of thumb tapping. Like we can send them a message. Hey, we missed you on Sunday or on Monday night or Tuesday night life group. How are you going? I should also say that as an eldership and as a leadership, we are trying to improve our systems and processes so we can follow up people well to demonstrate that people matter. We're trying to figure that out. It's tough. We're trying to work it out, but we're all in this together. Just as a healthy person looks after their whole body, in a healthy church, every member values every member. Every member values every member. And here at Hills, we need you. Everyone belongs. And everyone has a gift. Everyone has an ability to contribute, has something to add to the body of Christ. And I feel like in this, in this day and age of post-COVID, post-Christian, post-whatever, we need more out-of-the-box ideas, more creative and innovative ways to do church, to seek God, to, to share His love with other people. And I love the different ideas and plans and, and things that I'm hearing and seeing. And I, I say, keep them coming. Let's keep pressing into this creative, innovative space. Uh, we're having discussions about cooking classes with for young people or, or single mums or, or uh, high school students. Uh, we've got the the uh, more street dinners, and we've got um, uh, you know bef- before COVID a while ago we were, we had Halo nights uh, or land parties to gather people and you know in that community and gave people the opportunity to express their spiritual gift of video games. I heard about this morning, there used to be a group of people who would go out, have chainsawing days, and they'd go out and onto a farm somewhere, cut down a tree, chop up some wood, and go and deliver that to people who, who needed it. Old people, single, whatever. What an awesome use of the spiritual gift of chainsawing. Yeah, come on. There's the spiritual gift of art and expression, beauty. Um, and I encourage you to go check out Pip's work after the service. Beautiful con- contribution, expression of, uh, of, of the gospel, of renewed heart. We need gift, more gifts like this to, to, to share the truth, to express faith in this day and age. Now, the last thought I want to make uh, is to dip into to Brooke's message from last week, 1 Corinthians 13, and the greatest gift of love. But just to read the, the remainder of the passage, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed the church in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Paulus are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers. Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret it? Interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now the answer to all those questions is no. No, not we don't all do one thing. But there is something that we can all seek. And that's the greatest gift of love. Now if we would appropriate that in onto um, Paul's analogy of the body, all different gifts 
uh, but I think love is like the skin. It holds it all together. And if love, love is missing, what's left is an ugly mess. Love is the most important gift, the gift we should all seek, the act of, of self-sacrificing for the good of others in the church and out of the church. So what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? The purpose of spiritual gifts is to glorify God by empowering God's people, Christians, to serve the church through a diversity of gifts and abilities given by the same Spirit so that as the body of Christ, every person matters and has something to give. Let's pray as we finish up. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God the Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the gifts that you have given your church. We thank you, God, Jesus, that you are Lord of all. We thank you, God, that you work through us uh, to see your kingdom come. And Lord, we pray that you would help us use your gifts your, your gifts that you have given us to serve in your mission, to serve your church, that you help us identify those things, that you help us use those things, that, we, that you'd help in all those things uh, that, that we would be seeking your glory, not our own, and, and your honoring, not our own, to see you as Lord, not us. And Lord, we pray and we acknowledge that as a church, as a community, we haven't always got it right of honouring every person. And, and there has been time when we've honoured and prioritised some gifts over others, whether consciously or unconsciously. And we just pray you would help us stop that and honour every person as the child of God that they are. Help us to see each other uh, through your eyes, with your love. And Lord, where, where that gets tough and messy, just give us the, the gift of love all the more that we, we would honor and value them as you honor and value them. And you would help us honor and value each other. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gifts that he gives us, that you give us, uh, that you work through us to serve on your church. We pray you would equip us, you'd grow us, and you would use us to serve on your mission for your glory. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.